Today, we're talking women in film with indie director Meredith Edwards, right here on No Rest for the Weekend. And welcome to No Rest for the Weekend, the show where we talk to the creators of independent films and series. I'm your host, Victoria Oliver. Today, more and more women directors are making their mark in film and television. Names like Patty Jenkins, Catherine Bigelow, and Angela Robinson are becoming known by movie fans and by the Hollywood community. Meredith Edwards is an award-winning filmmaker whose second feature film, Bite Me, is slated for release in 2018. Her first feature film, Imagine I'm Beautiful, took home 12 awards on the film festival circuit, including five Best Picture awards and the award for Best Director. Recently, Meredith paid us a visit here in the studio, and our producer, Jason Godby, had a chance to chat with her. Hi, it's Jason Godby for No Rest for the Weekend, and today with me uh, here in the Rabbit Hole studio is Meredith Edwards. Welcome, Meredith. Hi, thank you. Uh, Meredith is a director, uh, and um, we want to talk to her about directing, especially being a female director in the world of film. So tell us about your first directing experience. We uh, did a little, we did a video about the making of Degeneration X, mm -hmm. which was a multimedia theater project uh, and film. Talk to me about directing the film portion of that and the challenges that you face being a first-time director. Mm, yeah, there were a lot of them. Um, I feel like for that project in particular, I really just threw myself in the deep end, really, and just learned by doing. Um, and I find that that was the best thing for that project, actually. Um, we shot film footage. They were like various vignettes that served as short films throughout the piece. Um, but also just enhanced the, the theatrical portion of the piece. And we shot over 13 days, super like zero budget to very low, low budget. Um, I think the trailer we shot for that was on a literally $0.00 budget. Um, and then when we were filming, I think we, I think we had like 10 grand or something over 13 great days, which was insane. Um, and but it was very it was very good because I think we were also passionate about the project and passionate about what we were doing and and the story and just getting out there and doing it and and I think that passion that fire really carried us through. So tell me about the first feature and the first feature. First of all, what was it, what was the film about? So it's a film called Imagine I'm Beautiful. It's a psychological drama about a woman dealing with borderline personality disorder. Um, it's kind of a fish out of water New York story. What seems to be that story turns into a very different story about mental illness. Um, and it was the storyline and the script that really hooked me uh, on that feature project. And um, I don't know, I think the fact that I was able to really connect to the screenplay and to the story, to, to its message, made me feel really confident to to feel like I could handle the feature after Degeneration X. And did you have like a, a bigger budget on that project? We did. Um, not much bigger, but it was an $80,000 budget. So okay. still, you know, ultra low budget, right. micro budget. And um, you're shooting for how many days? 18 days. That was 18 days. Wow. So a lot more money, but still you're limited on time. Oh, yeah. Super limited. But one thing that really helped us... Um, on that shoot was that I would say 90% of the screenplay was set in one location, one apartment. 
And so, so you can save a lot of money just doing yeah, that. Oh yeah, and it kept things really controlled because we were we were there and working there, even in pre-production. You know, working in the space and knowing what your space is, um, not having to move. That saves a lot of money and a lot of um, a lot of time. And did you kind of were you able to construct your shots? differently because of the lessons that you learned on Degeneration X? Were you kind of more economical and saying, I only have so many days, so I don't want to do 15 setups, I want to do 10? Yes. Yeah, you know, something uh, that I think is a positive takeaway from that experience of having a low budget was um, it made us get very clear and concise about what this project was, what was important about it, what is the message that we want to tell, and how do we want want to tell it? Um, because we had to have a very real conversation a month before production. Um, myself and the producers, we sat down in a room for about like eight hours or something, and said, "Look, this is this is the amount of money we have, and that's it. And we're set to go into production in one month." How is this feasible? And so what we did is we went through the entire script and just cut the fat. We just trimmed the excess. And in turn, it just made the story so much more solid and rich. Doing it this way, I feel like when you're in the trenches, especially with the first feature, then you, you, it's, like, you know, it's like working out. You like build the muscle for the next project. Mm -hmm. So, and the next project for you was this feature that you just directed, um, I believe it's called Bite Me? Yes. So, uh, it's about vampires? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Question mark? (laughs) um, uh, Tell me about about Bite Me. What's it about? Yeah. um, Bite Me is a romantic comedy about a real-life vampire that is a young woman who identifies as a vampire, not supernatural, a woman who really feels as if she needs to drink blood to stay healthy, and the IRS agent that audits her and her vampire church. So, literally, like, it, it's almost like that, um, there's a Nicolas Cage picture that's very similar, where he is, um, I mean, he's a little, cra- he's crazy, uh-huh. um, but he, he believes he's a, he's a vampire. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but he like sleeps under his couch oh. instead of a coffin. <laughs> and uh, at one point, he eats a bug, which is uh, gross. But yeah, uh, he really like... ate a bug and got very sick. Oh, uh, he ate like a cockroach. It was disgusting. Oh no! Um, but uh, <laughs> so in it, but you're playing this for comedy. This was also played for for comedy uh, as well. The Nicolas Cage picture, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, it came that out twenty funny. something years ago. Um, and the, but you're in your film, the the protagonist is a female. Yes, and um, is it also kind of romantic? Is there a love interest? Oh, yes. Or, this so. is a rom-com all the way. And it is an ode to the old rom-com, but in a new way, because we're in a new, we're in a new place, you know? We're, we're in the post-9-11 era of cynicism in many ways. And so a lot of these rom-coms um, are kind of set in this age where it's almost cynical to believe in love and to fall in love and this, you know, idea of... Um, you know this idealism of hope and and you know the one and all of that well, stuff. it's also dealing with gender politics as well yeah. and identifying is something like we never said that when i was a kid to say what you identify as yes right but, i mean that is so foreign to people like me like i need a glossary every time i talk to people yeah. you know it's, uh especially about things like sex and gender mm-hmm. and relationships so you come to this feature um you get the script and to tackle it what from the directing your first feature helped you with the second feature? 
Oh man, so many things helped me from project to project. Um, like what were the? I, if, can you remember a lesson that yes. you kind of learned that you so applied? Many. <laughs> so, I, so many, and that's a great question. Definitely from the very first project, to Generation X, to uh, Imagine I'm Beautiful. What I learned was to, and this might sound funny as as far as a, as a as the role of the director, but to surrender a little bit. Um, my need for control of my vision. Well, with Imagine I'm Beautiful, I was able to get, be on set, and one, I think it comes with really trusting yourself, that trust that you've done the work, trust that you have done, um, that you've hired the right team, trust everyone's ability to do their job, that you can give them their own ability to come to the table with with their own vision. In other words, you don't have to micromanage the exactly. entire crew. Yeah. yeah. And you've hired these people to support your vision. And that's what they're trying to do. Right. Um, but and let not, them do that. They're not puppets of your vision though. No, no. Uh, and that and that would be a disservice to the project. I think that's a that's a that's a it's kind of a great thing to remember that film is a collaboration. Oh, and yeah. I think a lot of directors there's this sort of and it happened in the 60s with this sort of like auteur theory stuff mm-hmm. where you had to be the author of every single moment of the movie. And, um, you know, when I see people like Orson Welles talked about happy accidents and saying that the director was essentially someone who presides over accidents. So and and James Cameron, too, a very different director than Orson Welles. But, you know, when you're doing a film like Avatar, there's like a billion people that you're working for and there's so many crew there's so many you've got animators and you've got oh, people yeah. doing all kinds of things with um, between the the digital cinematography that's not really there because everything's virtual and then and you've got real cinematography um, and sound and music and you have all of these things so and, many moving parts and his idea was that you have to be an arbitrator between what are hopefully many good ideas and you as a director you're kind of saying these are the good ideas that are right for this project mm-hmm. um, not to say that you know there aren't some bad ideas but for the most part if you've hired the right people if you have the right crew the they're coming to you with good suggestions they're coming to you with good ideas and you just have to say this is great let's put this in or no that that's a different movie you know yeah it's really your job as director to number one utilize your resources and so that is um, to a huge one is to follow your instincts and your intuition because there's not a lot of time to make decisions um, and no you can't accept every single idea and you have to know which one which one to you know take and which one to release um, but I think that is a, was a huge learning lesson from my first project to the second one is that when you can let go a little bit and let everybody do their job, including yourself, and, and listen, like not just, it's not about just giving, it's also about holding and, and listening to the piece and knowing what it needs on set and in post and in, and in pre-production. Um, so that you can, because the project will somehow, like you, you let go of it, of trying to steer it, and the project somehow starts to, to pulse and take on a life of its own and tells you what it needs. And it's about listening to the project and honoring what it needs. What was your experience kind of collaborating with the writer each time? Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, you made changes and like, how do you deal with that? And I think every every collaboration is can be a little different. Um, I do understand why a lot of directors 
direct their own screenplays. That makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, I give props to Naomi McDougall-Jones, the writer of Imagine I'm Beautiful and Bite Me, for her ability to really hand it over to me, which she does every time. And I think a big part of that is because she's also playing the lead actress and and she was playing the lead. So she's an actor-writer. Yes, produce, and a producer. And so I think for her, for her process as an actress, she needs to be able to surrender that right. Right, because mind. she can't be the director too. No, you know, and I think, and I think she likes doing that. And I think, I don't think it would work if she didn't trust me wholeheartedly. And I will, and I feel like if I direct someone else's piece again, that I, I would have to make sure. Um, I mean, our partnership is that, but I would have to make sure that 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 writer um, is willing to really hand it over because that's the next part of, mm. of the vision. And it, and it is a, it is a true collaboration and it, the visions merge. I, and you've worked with her twice now. So that hopefully that relationship is, is getting more like you have a better shorthand with her totally. and you, you know, it's getting better and better. Yeah. And that, I think that happens when you collaborate with, with this. Yeah. I mean, people. I'm, I'm, I'm very, um, I, I can, I'm probably too uh, close knit, something like I work with my best friends and I have like a family of people that work with me, um, which is great. Um, But it would probably behoove me at some point to direct somebody else's work uh, just to have that experience. Um, And, you know, I've done that with commercials and stuff where I've directed, you know, somebody else's concept or come up with a concept with somebody collaborating with a company. And it's a whole thing because in that sense, it's not your movie anymore. Yeah. It's their thing. And Mm -hmm. you're just kind of shepherding it to make sure it gets done. Yeah. so let me ask you a question, and uh, and then we'll we'll kind of move on to um, one more issue. But I let me ask you, like, if you if if Meredith now, if present day Meredith, could go back in time and tell the Meredith before she directed Degeneration X, mm. what advice would you give? Oh, young Meredith, <laughs> I would say it's okay, girl. You got this. <laughs> um, no, I would say to really, kind of bringing it back to really trust yourself, trust your vision, trust your instincts, trust your intuition. Um, I think as artists, and especially as directors, because you're really having to collaborate with so many people, and um, and you know you're really being put on the line in so many any way many ways, um, and to just just trust that that. If you feel called to, or you, if you feel inspired by this message and this story and this piece of work in some way, just follow that. You will have a lot of diversions. You will have a lot of naysayers. You will have a lot of worry and anxiety and fears. And just keep going one step at a time. Trust that the mistakes that we were speaking of, you know, that that they become magical mistakes. And there were so many things that have happened in all three of my projects that were just like, oh God, how are, how are we ever going to move on? That looking back, you know, I, I feel like, oh, that's exactly why that happened. I think trusting yourself is one of the hardest things to do it because uh, direct, being a director is uh, one of the very few positions in life where everybody thinks they can do your job better than you can mm-hmm. on a set. Um, which brings me to my next point of, um, the difference is, and this is something else that I cannot experience, being a woman director as opposed to being a male director. Were there, was there anything that you did, and we only have a couple of minutes, unfortunately, but is there anything that you did that, was, that you, you think was different um, to 
than you would have approached it as a man, not just as a sensibility, but things that you, like any hurdles that you on purpose had to get over? Yes. Um, <laughs> the answer is yes. In short, yes. Yeah. Um, again, I think it comes back to, you know, we are used to seeing um, when uh, men, particularly white men, when, that's like, <laughs> when, um, white men in leadership and, and across the board. Um, so I think when, when that is taken away and someone else comes into leadership, then it becomes uncomfortable. Not because necessarily anyone has an issue with it, but because we, we are uncomfortable with change. We're just period. not used to it. And the unknown, yeah. Like that just goes with, with, with everything. And so, of course, there's there's skepticism, and when, when something is is new or, or different, or you're not used to it, um, I also think women in the role as a filmmaker take on a different. Maybe they might do it differently. You know, we've talked about women in leadership and 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 leading with the feminine versus the masculine, which has nothing to do with gender. Um, we all embody feminine and masculine. This is a whole different talk, but right. um, how. I, I've learned over my, the past th three projects that I've done, how can I step up to the plate and lead with my femininity, which is to, um, which is kind of like a, the ultimate collaborative form of, of listening to my peers and, and, and creating an environment where people feel safe to, to come to the table with their utmost creativity and vision, to be seen and heard, to use my body, um, Jill Soloway talks about, uh, the creator of Transparent talks about, you know, leading women, the female gaze leading with, with their bodies. And I 100% um, agree with that. Of, uh, and that goes on with, you know, trusting trusting your intuition, trusting your body, using your body to, to kind of um, tell you things. And um, I remember like Sylvester Stallone of all people uh, <laughs> talking about like, who's the you know, king of action movie franchises, yes. talking about movies that he made that didn't hit because they weren't they didn't appeal to a feminine side of the audience he'd, he'd say we're in a very feminine business we're in a business of intuition and of feelings and things that mm. men are really taught not to embrace that's right yeah. um and if you do embrace them you know there, there's it's derogatory uh you're you're uh ostracized for it uh and i think now it's a very interesting uh point in history where we're getting to see more women in film, the the Patty Jenkins of the world, the Catherine Bigelow's of the world, um, and you know, directing big budget action pictures. And do you think that you think that's going to happen more since it's been successful? Yes, and also particularly with what's happening right now in Hollywood, I feel like the the patriarchal paradigm is is crashing down, yeah. um, and I think we are we are hungry and yearning to try on new things and and for women to have their stories represented. Um, you know, like I, I don't feel, I, I, I feel like I can only tell a story that I feel strongly about. Um, and so if, if only one person is leading the stories, then we're only gonna have these stories through this set of eyes. Um, and so to branch out and diversify um, these stories is only going to uh, create more exciting and interesting art. Um, I got to wrap up, but we could, this is definitely a topic we could talk about yeah. all day. Oh yeah, um, lots more. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, thank you so much for coming. I think yeah, for me, it's like I want 
every point of view and and in my company with behind the rabbit and you know i want male and female points of view and i want people of color and i I, because that i live in new york city and this is the world i live in and i want my work to represent that and it's a shame that that's not seen in more places or seen as marketable but i think it it is more now and you can see with the success of, of certain movies that that's happening more so hopefully it's a trend and we get different and better and good stuff mm-hmm. uh, so that uh, there's more variety out there. And the audience is, key, is growing. You know, all of, there's all this need for content now, mm-hmm. uh, especially for movies and television uh, across many streaming channels and Internet and television and 100 billion cable channels and pay channels. Um, we need that mm-hmm. now. And um, hopefully we'll, we'll get more and more of it and it'll be better and better. Uh, but thank you so much yeah. for coming. I really thank appreciate it. Um, and it was. Uh, we'll have to do this again. Yeah. So um, we'll have when you when the movie comes out. Mm. When, you know, we'll have Bite to. Me. Yeah, we'll have. Um, we'll, and are you guys are planning for like film festival release on that? We are. Yeah. I wish mm-hmm. you a lot of luck. I wish thank you a lot you of luck. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us here on No Rest for the Weekend. I'd like to thank our guest, Meredith Edwards. For more from Behind the Rabbit Productions, visit our website, btrp.nyc. On behalf of Jason Godby and myself, thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.